0: financial problems, elder law, tax problems, business matters, divorce, personal injury, bankruptcy, your life, your reality, life is complicated there is the law and there is reality welcome to law and reality sponsored by thav gross now here's your host ken gross
1: welcome to this segment of law and reality today's topic is at the bar worried about debt now jail not a good day jenny Lingo.
2: Hi, Ken. Good to be here today.
1: You're supposed to be wondering, well, how did you go from at the bar, worried about debt, to jail? Well,
2: since I know who our expert is today, I think I know where we're going with this.
1: Brian Small.
3: (laughs) I'm just wondering if that was your last Tuesday. I'm just...
1: No. (laughs) I was working. Okay. Corey Silverstein.
2: Excited to be here, Ken.
1: You're on the spot today because the going to jail affects
2: you. No, I'm not sure I would put it that way, but yes. Well, we're looking for your advice. I, that's probably the better way to put it.
1: You've
3: gone at to our, jail before, haven't you? Our, I have not. I'm sure,
2: you have you visited today. lots of clients in jail? Visiting. Is Richard not Jeffrey Kirshner? How are is is you?
1: not.
3: I'm good, a little nervous. I got Corey here to protect me, so I feel better. Although it always take, makes me nervous at the same time. Do you want too. to
1: pretend to be Richard? Uh, no. Here's our case study today. Richard. <laughs> I didn't do it. If you want to think of it, yeah, it? Me. we can make Jeffrey the fictional Richard. But Richard is a fictional character. He's got $80,000 of credit card debt. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a real character to me. He's two months behind on his mortgage, and he thinks his boss is about to fire him. This is how his Thursday went. I thought you said this was fiction. He stops at the pub on his way home because he's mortified about what's going on at work with the debt and everything else. He has three vodkas on the rocks over the course of an hour and a half. These are long pours at his favorite pub. First question, it's time to go home. What should Richard do? Not get in a car. Walk. Uber. If he was a millennial, for sure he would know to Uber, wouldn't he? Uber.
2: Lift, lift, walk, anything, or take those drive. little scooters too that you ride. I mean, honestly, not. That too. <laughs> <A> bird. Yeah, <laughs> the, the bird, yeah, those bird scooters. <laughs> anything, find the nearest bum and give you a piggyback ride. Anything, <laughs> call his
1: spouse and say, "Come pick me up. I've had too much to drink." Take, that could be risky. Wait, wait, I would,
2: I would pick the bum over his spouse. Take a cab, <laughs> or if your spouse was a take bum, a cab. Oh, yeah. take cab, a cab. That's what Uber do and Lyft I, I know, Our cabs still cabs
1: exist. Still exist. They do, <laughs> but like, I've only had a couple drinks. I have my act together. I can drive home.
2: Actually, you want to know something interesting. In Detroit, now, they have the uh, bicycles. They're like rickshaws, but with the bicycles on front. So you can leave the bar, and they come to you, and they Basically they pedal cabs. They are like pedal cabs. So they're so doing that for all the if sports stations.
1: Downtown in Detroit, they will I can go on a bike to come back to Farmington Hills.
2: No, not necessarily back to Farmington Hills, but they <laughs> would take you on a bike, say you actually lived <laughs> in Detroit. Or they could take you to a hotel, they could take you to a bus stop, they could take you to the Woodward. Okay. What should Richard
1: thing? do? He should not get in the car. We should, all agree. He okay. should not. Let's go on. He gets in the car.
2: Yep. Uh, he's an idiot. He doesn't do what he's supposed to do.
1: He's driving home on the highway. Lights are flashing behind him, red and blue. He hears a barking, pull over, he pulls over. Corey, walk us through. Well, what do we do at this point? The cop, the police officer comes up to the car and is asking for registration and license. Right.
2: Well, I think the Lisa. first thing he should do is probably pull over, right, Corey? Not not well, lead him on a high Well, the, the, the first thing the first thing he should do is pull over. You don't you get absolutely nowhere by should by, he then pop some mints in his mouth? No, that doesn't help. That's an uh, urban legend also, but that doesn't really work. At this point, if if a mint is stuck much, in him, his breath, not going to work either. At this point, uh, in this in this example, uh, Richard here had uh, three vodkas over an hour and a half, so ethanol is going to be emanating from his breath, his skin. His eyes are going to have a different color. So as soon as the officer comes up to now I guess let's take it a step back. Was he, he weaving? Well, that's the the first question is why was he pulled over? I guess was he speeding? Was he weaving? Did he run a stop sign? Does he
1: have the right to ask the police officer why are you
2: pulling me over? Sure, he could say that absolutely. You could say, you know, officer, what what did you pull me over for? Now you might have an officer that is not a very nice individual and wants to be difficult and doesn't want to tell him and. He you know, says,
1: sir, the reason why I pulled you over is because I found that you were weaving all around the road. He's
2: done. I mean, you,
1: and then have, does the police officer then say, have you been drinking?
2: If the police officer might. My guess is, though, before he gets to that step, he's immediately going to get the license and registration in his hand because for his own safety and what have you, he wants to get the license registration so he can identify who it is that's in the vehicle. At that point, what he's immediately going to say based on his observation, his smell, uh, what he sees. So he then says, does, does, he, does he ask you, have you been drinking? And this is where, right away, defendants need to smarten up. What because do do? at this point, remember, and remember, Ken, that this is the new era of, of police enforcement. You have to assume right from the start that every single police officer is miked and cameraed up. At this point, I would simply, if I were a defendant, I'd say, you know what, officer? I respectfully uh, don't want that, to answer that question.
1: So right off the bat, you don't try and say, "Yeah, I've had a couple of drinks, but I'm okay." It doesn't
2: work because you know that's the by human nature, natural instinct says. But they want to talk themselves out of it. They think that they can, t- you know, tell the officer... I'm a nice guy. Yeah, I'm a nice guy. I had a drink, but it was four hours ago, whatever. And I'm about to get fired. It, it's not... None of, of, none of that. that's going to work. Four my, Give me a break! Every statement that comes out of someone's mouth... Bad. ...when they're being interviewed by the police is going to come back against them. The best thing you can do is clam up, stop talking. All right, so
1: I'm Richard. I'm not going to talk. Now the police officer says, would you please step out of the car? Yep. And I said no. I'd rather not. Get out of the car. Excuse me, but I'd prefer not to get out of the car. Get out of the car. This is cold outside. I don't want to get out of the car.
2: Get out of the car. This is where situations. You need to get out of the car? Yes. This is where situations can oftentimes go from bad to worse. Because when an officer says, okay, you know what, please exit the vehicle, at that point already, again. Don't say, why do I have to get out of the car? Don't go there. Stop talking. This is, again, just more mistake. Do what you're told, be cooperative. And you'll actually find that police officers, even in a situation where, look, they know you're drunk, you know you're drunk, they will treat you with a very good regard of respect, unless... You're giving them a hard time. You give them a hard time, you start acting like a jerk. So I get out of the car. You get out of the car. Now you're standing there. Now he's
1: asking me to recite the ABC's Bible. Well, not yet. Which before, I can't do before when he,
2: Before he does that, <laughs> the officer, what he's going to do is he's going to do a pat-down. The pat-down is for his security to make sure that the defendant doesn't have anything that could potentially hurt all him. Right, So I'm
1: patted down. Yep. I'm and and take, he's not, he's not violating, violating my we're rights at all, no. patting me down? Nope, we're take a break. at this point he's we're not gonna under arrest. We're going to take rest. a break, we're going to come back right after the pat-down. I want to go one step at a time.
0: Carrying too much debt? Resolve your debt. a
3: lifetime of hard work. If you don't have the right plan in place, you can lose your home, your savings, and more. And you didn't come this far to lose everything. Samasco Law wants you to know that laws are changing. Today, the average cost of nursing home care is $85,000 a year. With proper planning, we can help protect your life savings and get you the Medicaid and nursing home benefits you deserve.
0: How much can you afford to lose? Call Samasco Law today. All right, we're
3: back. The
2: pat-down is going on. Brian, what so, are you going No, say?
3: I, when you stepped out of the car, now yeah. the officer wants to pat you down. Is he violating my rights he, at this point? He's
2: not. The U.S. Supreme Court has made it perfectly clear that an officer has a... Constitu- it's not a violation of your constitutional right for the officer to pat you down to make sure that the, uh, the person being investigated... Isn't carrying any doesn't sort of if your dangerous sex weapon. Is between
1: the officer and the. It opponent. really
2: doesn't, but nowadays, what the officers will usually do, if it is a female, officer will call for female assist. Sometimes, again, if you're cooperating and you're a female and you say, you know what, officer, I would prefer that you bring a female to the scene, some officers will do it, some Maybe won't. Maybe it'll take long enough so you can sober up? No. No. <laughs> unfortunately, it won't, it, won't, it won't take that long. It won't take two days. No, no. No, it definitely won't take that. But, Brian, that's, a, that's an excellent question. So at this point now, uh, you've been patted down. The officer knows that you have no weapons on you, etc. He's most likely going to put you through what's called a field sobriety test. Field sobriety test is very much what you've seen on TV. Officer might have you stand on one leg. He might have touch you your recite, touch your nose. He might have you do you recite have, the do alphabet. Do you have to do all that? Yes, you do. Because again, at this point, if you don't are you cooperate, are
1: evidence against you though when you funk the test?
2: You are. But at this point, you're at, at this point. If the officer is starting the process of doing a field sobriety test and you don't comply. Again, you're only making it more difficult for yourself. Wait, wait,
3: here's a question. So, if they're going to do a field sobriety test, aren't they eventually just going to get you to, ask you to blow into the the field sobriety? Well, that's the, wait,
2: maybe if you pass the test, they won't. Well, if you pass, if you ultimately pass all the field sobriety tests at that point, It's going to be extremely difficult for the officer to really go much further in his investigation and justify a potential arrest. Now, but what Brian just said is right because ultimately what comes after the field sobriety test is what's known as the PBT. This is the little tiny thing that you see all the time that people commonly refer to as a breathalyzer test. Now, what people have to remember that they don't know, and this is the common mistake, a PBT is actually, it is not a criminal offense to refuse the PBT. And so I actually, you refuse it? I always advise my clients to refuse the PBT. A PBT, at absolute worst, what will happen is you will be hit with what's called a civil offense for failure to, to do a PBT. That's a civil offense. It has so no it's effect. Civil fra- it's, it's a civil infraction. Attraction. It's not a It's a money fine. It's not a misdemeanor. It has no effect on your driving record. The reason for this is because a PBT has already been held to not be... Uh, evidence that can be used against you ultimately in trial to convict you of a drunk driving mm. offense.
1: So if you know you're not going to pass, right. two things, don't fight the cop, nope. do what you're told, yep. number one, go through the test, yep. and then when he says we want you to do this, you say I, I respectfully decline. I respectfully decline the PBT.
2: At that point, what's going to happen is the officer is going to say, okay, I have reason to believe you're under arrest. Um, at that point, you will be handcuffed. You will be placed in the, in the back of a car. Wait, I do not want to be handcuffed. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Well, Corey, you've, you've, like re- you've refused the PBT, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not the end of it. What test are you going to have to take? What goes well, next? Well, so at this point, you're going to be arrested. So now you're under arrest, and you're going to be taken to the station. So now... So, let, me, let me pause for one second. If you took the PBT, mm-hmm. then what happens? If you took the PBT and you failed it, you're going to be arrested. Okay, if you took the PBT and you passed it, then you wouldn't get arrested. No, and that's why, again, I recommend don't take the PBT because there are still other offenses in Michigan that you can be charged with. Uh, say, for example, you, you're right on the fence. You blow a 0.07. And you
1: know if you've had three tall vodkas in an hour and a half, no, you're not going to pass
2: but, the PBT. Well, here's the thing, when there's, when is
3: there's no the, point dreaming, no, no, right? Here's, here's the thing that bothers me. You get pulled over, yep. you, you you do a .07. So right. now you're not uh, drunk on the PBT, but they're gonna arrest you anyway and drag you down to the station the time lapse between the time that you get arrested and reach the station allows the rest of that alcohol that you just had that last drink before you just left the bar and got pulled over now is circulating through your bloodstream, and now your blood alcohol level goes up, that's rather right. than down. Oh, it goes up? It it keeps can, going absolutely,
2: up. it can go up depending on the time. Depending on it, that's the miscon that people oftentimes it misconstrue that the second out. you finish your last drink, it's going down. That's wrong. Brian's point is, is very valid. Your alcohol level, again, depending on when your last drink is, how much you weigh, um, is going to be going up, well, whether you okay. have okay. The nachos
1: right. or so a sandwich. Because I interrupted, I want to go back. All right. So you decline the breathalyzer. You've been, the cuffed, PBT. The BBT, yep. you've been cuffed, put in the car, and now they're taking you to the now station. Now they're taking you to the police happens?
2: station. At the police station, the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to say, okay, sir, you've been arrested for suspicion of drunk driving. Uh, under, Michi- under Michigan, you automatically, when you have a Michigan driver's license, you automatically are required to submit yourself to a chemical test. Now, what they're going to offer you is what's called the data master test. The, oh, data master a data test, master test. the data master test is another form of a breathalyzer. However, the difference is, is with the data master, the data master is admissible in court. And furthermore, if you refuse the data master, no matter what happens after that, you will automatically lose your driver's license for one year under Michigan's implied consent rule. So, that being the case, the data master is a test that you should not refuse. Now, but the data master test has its own set of rights. Before an officer gives you the data master test, they are going to read you a very long sheet, what's called your chemical test rights. Once they go through that sheet, they, in most cases nowadays, will ask you to sign that form. Now, just to go take it one step back, let's say your friend uh, Richard here, who had one and a half, or pardon me, three Richard. vodka rocks, he's in the position where he can't, he can't even breathe into the tube because he's so drunk, which happens all the time. They might say, you know what, screw this, we're gonna do a blood draw. They'll get a warrant for a blood draw, and at that point, they'll take your blood.
1: They have to call up a judge to get the warrant?
2: They'll get a magistrate, they'll fill out a paperwork, they are regularly given. Uh, they'll, uh, you know, it's just ha- going to take some time. But second, they'll actually they'll take some. Some police stations will do it uh, right there if they have the medical professions on staff. Other ones will take you to the hospital where your blood will be drawn from a license. So this
1: is happening because you're too bombed
2: to do the data master. Too bombed, or potentially even unconscious. Is that because you can't give consent if you're too intoxicated? and <laughs> so you, you can't give consent so to do this.
1: If you can give consent to the data master and
2: blow into it, you're saying you should. do Yes. That? Don't screw around with it. So many people, they, you know, they start playing games with the data master. We. See this all the time they start taking really small breaths or they try to uh you Tell know game the machine yeah and 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 with the data master test the officers for a period of time before you take the test are going to be watching you they're going to be watching even your mouth to make sure that you haven't vomited to make sure you haven't put anything in your mouth so should you sign that consent form too yes you should there's no reason all right
1: to. so we're coming up to a break we're at the point we've done the data master test
0: correct I love you too. Bye-bye. That was Jerry. Emma just said her first word. Oh. Jerry says hello and they'll be over soon.
2: Who's Jerry? Is he a friend of yours?
0: No. This Jerry. Our Jerry. This is his wife and their little girl.
1: Time for announcements. I want to remind our listeners to watch us for the TV version of Law & Reality every Sunday, 11 o'clock a.m. on TV20. Be sure and sign up for our monthly contest. Free $50 Visa gift card, Law & Reality golf hat, and a copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. We've got seminars coming up. Wednesday, March 13th, 6 to 7:30 p.m., we have an estate planning seminar, Why You Need an Estate Plan. We're going to talk about the elements of an estate plan, documents you have, you must have while you're living documents addressing what happens when you pass away, how to address probate issues. Jeff Linden, Brian Small, and myself will be presenting. Attendees get a $300 gold certificate off the cost of an estate plan. You want to sign up at thavgross.com, lawandreality.com, or call 888-235-HELP. Then on Wednesday, March 27th, 6 to 7:30 p.m., we have another debt relief seminar, time to spring me from the debt burden. Get that Spring Me, March 27th, it's spring. We're gonna talk about all the ways that we use to preserve future income for you and your family, solutions outside of bankruptcy, solutions using bankruptcy. The key element is you need to get rid of the debt so you're not taking all your disposable income and paying it on those credit cards. You'll never have any money to save for retirement if you do that. Jenny Wingle will do a special segment on how to resolve tax issues. Attendees get a free copy of my book, Dump Your Debt. Sign up at thavgross.com, lawandreality.com, or call 888-235-HELP. Now, a reminder, viewers, you can always come in for a free consultation at Thav Gross. Just call 888-235-HELP or go online and sign up on the website. Debt issues with Brian, tax issues with Jenny, estate planning issues with Pat or with Brian, elder law issues with Pat, business law issues with myself, disability with Jeff, Kirshner, criminal issues with Corey Silverstein. Just take advantage of the free consultation. They are not a meet and greet. You come in, we tell you what you need to do, we tell you the steps that need to be taken, we tell you how much it'll cost. You get a complete plan of action as to how to address your problem. Sign up at lawandreality.com again or call 888 235 HELP. Also, go online on our website for free reports. We have a brand new report. Resolving Tax Problems, The Real Solutions, written by Jenny Lingle and myself, How to Save Your Home from Foreclosure, Retiree's Guide to Social Security from Pat Samasco, and Business Formation Loans and Grants for Small Businesses in the Detroit Area. All you do is click on the link and the report gets downloaded to you. I want to thank our sponsors, Stav Gross, Samasco Law, Jeff Kirshner Law, Law Offices of Corey Silverstein. Now back to the show.
2: I've taken the data master test. Yep. When do the results come? The data master test results will be immediate. So at that point, you're going to get a little pink slip. is actually going to print right out of the machine. The officer will generally tell you exactly what what, what you've blown. So it comes out and it says bombed. It doesn't say bombed. You'll get a number. Uh, and in Michigan, the the, the uh, alcohol limit is .08. So .08 or over. Is what's considered intoxicated.
3: Point 0.08 is impaired. When
2: should I be calling a lawyer? No, point 0.08 is intoxicated. Is when intoxicated? do I get a lawyer? At, well, at this.
3: So here's well, the interesting part. What's the difference between 0.08 and 0.1? Where's the the? the well, point 0.1, you're is higher than. But point isn't 8. that isn't there a difference in we'll the? We'll do math. We'll get to that. We'll, but we'll when
2: you get when you get to 0.17, then it becomes super drunk. But we'll get there in a second. So here's the most. So at this point, now that Brian's completely throwing me off track, what do I call a lawyer? You call a lawyer. Remember that at the time that you are asked to take your, your data master test. If you don't understand and you're behaving yourself and acting nicely with the police officers, if you tell the officers, you know what, I don't understand what you're asking me, I'd like to call my lawyer. You can, and generally speaking, the officers will cooperate with you and will allow you to make it a call. Again, so long as you're behaving. I mean stop right now.
1: On the screen is a phone number yep. with the name Corey. Yes. You should put it in your wallet. Well some You don't know when this is going to happen to you or to your friend and if you get that opportunity to call the lawyer, you need to know the number to call because they're not gonna let you start doing Google searches while well, well, you find your No, attorney. but
2: we actually have, the pre-em- we have a preemptive thing that we do now, something that my office does that's extremely unique, Ken, is that if someone Thinks that they might be in this situation. They can call ahead. Give me their information ahead of time And we actually have a system set up so that they can send me a text message And you can send me a text message with nothing but a, a single numerical code And I will know that you've been stopped and you're probably going down for drunk driving So wait, so
1: instead of getting in the uber card in the uber I instead notify you that I think I'm gonna have a no, 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 problem. No.
2: This is just this this is something this, insane going on this here. Generally, this generally happens after you've been stopped, is okay. when I get the text message that I'm in trouble. Okay, but you so actually you have the text code. It's a text okay. code so that je, so that they get help. They get it's about help. Well, <laughs> right. we only got a couple
1: minutes off. To walk us through where, where we're going. Okay, so I flunked the test. Yep. I've called you. Yep. Now what happens? All right. So how, now, what, all right. So you, how bad is
2: this going to be? You're under arrest. You're in trouble. Okay. A drunk driving offense is one of the most serious things that you can get charged with. And why is that? because it's a driving expense, excuse me, a driving offense. And when you have a driving expense, uh, offense, Offense. I'm like Ken now, I can't get anything out of my mouth. Yeah, but you're welcome to the club. So when you end up getting the driving offense, it is non-expungible. No matter what ends up happening, it will be with you forever because driving offenses are non-expungible from your record. Can you make it go away? Never, a driving, a, a drunk driving offense, unless you beat the case, which you might be able to, there are substantial defenses that exist to a drunk driving case, but it's essential that when you get to the point where you've been arrested, charged, you get a hold of legal right away. There are far too many people that march into court. Keep your mouth shut from the time he asks you questions in the car. Have you been drinking? I'd rather not discuss this. Because what they do, Ken, is they go into court on a first appearance and they think they can do it on their own. They don't want to spend the money on counsel. They think they're smarter than the system. They're angry at the system. It's wrong. Remember, first time offense, 93-day misdemeanor. Second offense, now you're looking at up to a year in jail. And then of course, now if you get up to the third offense, this is what Jenny and I were talking about before the show started. Now you're in felony, felony territory. Now you're looking at potentially up to five years in Michigan State prison, not county time. Uh, so I
1: hired you, yep. I called you, I did the text thing. I kept my mouth shut. It's my first offense. Yep. How long does the process we have a minute left? How long does the process take? And what should I really expect as the, re- as the outcome? The,
2: proce- the process itself could be three months, four months, five months, depending on how you go. If ultimately there are massive defenses that have to come up, and an experienced attorney, what we do is we immediately get everything that's available from the prosecutor, including the video and the audio of your stop arrest, we build a defense right from the start. This is the mistake. You need to find some errors in the state's case to give you leverage to negotiate. Absolutely, remember it's the prosecutor's burden to prove that you've committed a crime. It is not the defense uh, obligation to disprove it the prosecutor has to prove it so it's important that right from the start you're looking at the evidence they're going to use and you're ready to fight right. and attack that evidence right. let me
1: wrap it up right. fascinating number one appreciate it do not fight the officer but do not make statements that are going to be used against you correct call Corey right away yep. you need counsel and you need to go through the process in a smart way you got to clear your head and do the right thing in that situation have a great week. Thanks, Corey. We'll be back next week with the War and Reality.